Hey, this is David Perkins, pastor of Radiant Church. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. I hope and I pray that the content helps you grow as a follower of Jesus. We'd love to see you at one of our services on Sundays or maybe at our Bold Conference this summer. Remember this, those who look to Him are radiant. Romans 13, I want to read this out of the Passion Translation because I just love the way that it articulates this verse. I, I love, first of all, I, I joke around with David a lot. He's a great friend. I love your pastor. Are, is he not amazing? Are your leaders not amazing? One of the purest hearted guys I know. I, he's a father that I want to be like. He's, he's just such a hero, him and his wife. And and uh, so I, but I love the name Radiant. I love the, the, the prophetic mandate that you have as a church within the context of that name. Like names are important, amen? And I feel like a big part of this season that God has for you guys as I've been praying this morning and praying on the drive over here, I feel like that this is going, you're coming into a season where you are going to live up to your name. 2019 is the year where we obliterate grumpy Christianity. <laughs> Turn someone and say, you need a little more joy. And, and, and I, I am determined today. I am determined with what I have to share to, to compel you and convince you that you are living in the greatest day in human history. And that you should call it a privilege to be alive for such a time as this, as God is moving around the world. Uh, I love how Moses said in uh, Exodus 33, he said, listen, I'm not going into the new season unless your presence goes with me. And I feel like that should be all of our mandate, all of our mantras in the new season is we don't even want to step across the line into a new day unless we're carrying the presence of God, unless we're carrying the radiant glory of who he is. And so Romans 13, I want to read this uh, verse 11. It says, to live like this is all the more urgent for time is running out and you know that it is a strategic hour in human history. It is time for us to wake up. Turn to someone and say, wake up. I am so thankful for the coffee ministry. Anybody with me? Do you notice how, this is a prophetic thing, how the culture of worship is rising across the earth as the culture of coffee is also rising. Simultaneously, one rising to fuel the other. It's happening in your lobby. This is a sign and a wonder. It is time for us to wake up for our full salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Here we go. Here's the radiant parts coming up. Verse 12. Night's darkness is dissolving away as a new day of destiny dawns. So we must once and for all strip away what is done in the shadows of darkness, removing it like filthy clothes, and once and for all clothe ourselves with the radiance of light as our weapon. Ah, I love that. I love, you know, I was speaking largely to, you know, I think there was, uh, I don't know, 12,000 or something like that, you know, uh, college millennial kids that were gathered in Urbana in the big dome downtown in St. Louis. And one of my, I th feel like my biggest messages to the millennial generation is like, we got to carry light and joy. Like we cannot be the most perpetually offended, offended at everything, offended at everything generation. Like it just, it doesn't, like following Jesus doesn't work like that. 
Like he's not looking for like social justice warriors that are angry at everything. He's looking through for people that with laid down sacrificial love will see his kingdom come in every nation and every city in the earth. And I love how even the model of Jesus, who was the most offended person in all of human history, forgave his offenders all of their offenses as his last breath. What if we stepped into 2019 and we were unable to be offended? Anybody? Anybody up for a try? Like, you know, even the... the even those of you on Facebook, you know, the Facebook ranters, the Facebook <laughs> Christian trolls that get all upset at everything. What if we did it? What if we were just perpetually joyful, perpetually radiant? What if there was something so distinctly different about what we carry? What if there was a joy? So it says, once and for all, we clothe ourselves with the radiance of light as our weapon. We must live honorably surrounded by the light of this new day, not in the darkness of drunkenness and debauchery, not in promiscuity and sensuality, not in being argumentative, ding, 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 or jealous of others. Instead, fully immerse yourselves. Say fully immerse. Full immersion. Fully jumping in to the deep end of God in the new day. No floaties. No attachments, nothing holding us back, no, 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 no precautionary measures, just full on God. Whatever it is that you have for me, I want it. Fully immerse yourselves into the Lord Jesus, the anointed one, and don't waste a moment's thought on your former identity. Turn to Isaiah 9 real quick. And I want to show you this video. I um, have, have hardly showed this. I don't know if I've really showed it anywhere, maybe two, two places around the world. We recently... For those of you guys that may know a little bit about what we do, we <clears throat> do extensive work across many war zones and, and, and closed nations. And we feel like a real strong call, calling on us is to go to a lot of places where people aren't willing or, or can't go. And so we have a long-term project that we've had in, in Iraq for, the, you know, really we've been doing ministry there for the last decade. And we've seen some stuff, you know, especially over the last few years with the reign of ISIS. And, you know, we were there at the height, I think, we were probably one of the only missions organizations that didn't pull all of our people as soon as ISIS started beheading people left and right. Uh, most of the missions organizations, because of liability and all the other things, uh, had you know were required and were called and needed to pull all their people. In the meantime, we really felt led to go, and we felt led to to invade that nation with the light of Jesus. And so, it was funny. My first missions team to Iraq at the height of ISIS was three. Uh, 20 something blonde haired blue eyed girls they were all my babysitters it's a true story uh, they were the ones the, just the only ones to say yes and so we commissioned them in and I had to have some uh, intense talks with their parents and uh and they, they thrived and they built these programs and these, and these structures and they were doing outreach and evangelism and we were seeing people saved and healed and delivered and set free. And our project there has been ongoing. We've, I think we've raised probably over half a million dollars in the last uh, year or two for different various projects across Iraq. And a door has flung wide open to the gospel of those people because ISIS has overplayed their hand just like Satan always does. He does it in our lives. He comes in so strong and so hard. And, it, 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 and, and if we lean into the Father and we lean into dependency in Jesus, it just causes us to get closer to the Lord. You know, I, uh, even, even as I'm talking about this, I'm going to read this verse in Isaiah 9, but 
Man, it is, for some of you guys, it's been a rough year. I know in Northern California, it has been a rough year. I don't know if you guys have seen the fires that have happened. Uh, the Two of the largest wildfires in the history of America uh, happened, really, one of them inside of Reading as a city, one of them an hour outside of Reading, the Paradise Fire. Uh, untold devastation, untold uh, uh, tragedy, loss of lives, and more than anything, um, just a complete disruption, I mean, uh, of, of the normal way of life. I mean, we had to evacuate, uh, I had to evacuate twice. You know, I have the little kids and there was so much ash and so much, you know, the air quality in Reading reached uh, untold levels this year. I mean, it was like thick ash, thick uh, uh, pollution uh, from the fires. And, and, and a lot of us just had to leave our, for, so our summer, we kind of really weren't even at home this summer. And um, one of the things we learn, you know, we find out as we walk through these seasons is kind of where our foundation is and how strong, you know, we can get here and, 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 you know, sing so will I and lift our hands and go crazy. But the song becomes real when you walk through crisis. <laughs> you know, it, that's, that's where it becomes real. That's where you find out kind of what you're made out of. And, and actually those times can be a real blessing because they reveal to you what is your dependency on. I remember probably one of the most special worship services I had a privilege to lead this year, uh, you know, uh, when the, it was right kind of as the fire was starting to die down and we were, uh, our entire campus there at Bethel, the main campus was transformed into uh, really a, in a, 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 an outreach center for, for people that were affected by the fires. And I was, I've never been more proud of the church in my life. I mean, what, what our church, did in the, in the face of that fire. I mean, raising over $3 million. You know, our senior pastor, Eric Johnson, he's a good friend of ours. I could bring out him all day. You know, a pastor of an 11,000 member church stops everything he's doing, puts on hazmat suits and helps people sift through the ash of their homes to find valuables. I mean, it's amazing. Every single person, I think there was 1,100 people that lost their home. Every single person that lost their home, whether they were Christian or not, whether they went to Bethel or not, they showed up at our church and they were handed a $1,000 check just as a blessing. So all of a sudden, the whole city had to change their narrative of what they think about that church, Bethel, and those weird people, and those, it's like, oh no, now we got to change the narrative because they're actually becoming light in the midst of darkness. They're actually becoming the songs that they sing that go around the world, you know? It was just an amazing season, but I'll never forget, I was, I was leading worship, and we the meeting got moved from our main campus to another campus, which was kind of a little bit farther away in a kind of a smaller building. And I was standing there and I was about to, to go into worship and we started singing this song of surrender. And all of a sudden I look and there was about a few families over here in the corner that had all lost everything. I mean, they had beautiful homes on the lake, on Whiskey Town Lake, and, and some of them were my friends, and, and they had three minutes notice to leave, you know? It's like, I, I love the story. I was thinking about it today of, of, you know, Bill Johnson. He was, he was like, he had, he also got, had to evacuate and had three minutes to leave, and he's like, didn't know what to do, and so he just went into the fridge and grabbed cheese and left. It's such a funny story. And, and he got in the car and they're running down the, they're driving down the street, you know, with his wife. And she's like, did you get like our marriage, like our marriage, like our photo albums from our wedding? And he's like, 
oh man, I, I got the cheese, you know? I got the cheese in the refrigerator. It was just absolute pandemonium. Like nobody knows what to do. It's just, it's a freak out moment, you know? And so all these families up here, they had lost everything. And, 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 and in a moment's notice, you know, and, and as I went into worship, they were just all lifting their hands. Like all, and tears coming down the, the faces of the little kids that all their toys and all their life was just totally burned up. They don't know where they're gonna go or what's gonna happen. But the dependency on Jesus in those moments was so profound. And so even as I'm sharing this, I, I wanna, I, you know, I'm gonna show you a video from the underground church. I, like there's so much joy that God wants to infuse into us. Even those of us that have walked through painful seasons. The beautiful thing of the gospel is that it actually thrives in crisis. Our faith gets strengthened. I want to turn to Isaiah 9. I love this. Christmas time is one of my favorite times in the year because the earth is filled with worship. Christmas songs are just worship songs, right? Except for baby, it's cold outside. That's a creeper song. But besides that... Christmas songs are just worship songs. And I love how, how God finds a way, like across the Middle East in the malls of Dubai, they're blasting out, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Like Jehovah Sneaky. I mean, are you kidding me? Like worship covers the earth this one time a year. And I love in Isaiah 9, the prophecy of Jesus coming to the earth, you know, which goes along with what we just read in Romans 13. It says, verse two, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. There's the radiant thing again. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation. You have increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. It's quite a lot of joy, don't you think? Quadruple joy. 1,500 years before Jesus comes to the earth, Isaiah goes, hey, listen, you're going to know it's the Messiah because joy, 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 joy. This is why so many of the Jews didn't understand. They were waiting for a warrior with a sword to cut off the head of the Romans that were, you know, you know that, were, that, were, that were ruling over them. They were waiting for deliver. And Jesus came as a baby to bring joy. Who would have thought? For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you've shattered the yoke that burdens them. Verse six, for to us, a child is born, a son is given. The government will be on his shoulder. I had some friends a couple weeks ago, 20 worship leaders got less let loose across the White House. I don't know if it's ever happened before, but it happened a few weeks ago. And they were just told, just walk around the White House and worship anywhere you want. So they were just bringing their guitar, laying hands on everything, you know, you know, it's like the, the government will be on your shoulders. The government is on your shoulders. The government, thank God, because our government is shut down right now. So the government is on his shoulders. Like everyone just, ah, take a deep breath. He's still on the throne. <laughs> Man, the amount of anxiety that is riddling our society, the amount of heaviness, the amount, if we can just, this is why I love worship. 
this morning. It's like we step out like, guys, you are a worshiping church. This is your strength. This is going to be your strength going into 2019. It's your song. The strength of your song is going to carry you because you step out of your situations and your circumstances and you get in the presence of God like this morning, like they were leading us. And you lift up your hands and you lift up your eyes and you go, oh yeah, you are in control. May, regardless of my bank account, regardless of my relationships, regardless of all of if the Chiefs win today or not. Sorry, that was just, I thought you guys would laugh a little more. It, it, you are in control. You are on the throne. I can actually find my joy in your faithfulness. And it can stay consistent. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it. I want to share this quick video um, because I just, over the last year, probably my greatest lessons I've learned have have not been in um, worship stadium gatherings, which I think are amazing. Like, I love those. They're so fun. Like, the bigger the drums, like we, we always like at Bethel people laugh at us. Like we want songs to get bigger and with bigger drums because we serve a big God. We're like, big God, big drums. You know, it's like, I, I love that. I love the buildup. I love the, I love the intensity. I love the passion. But I have learned more in the last year from my time with the underground church than anywhere else. I've learned more in my time with the underground Saudi believers that are risking their life to come and worship. And before I even play this clip, this is kind of as we were meandering through a refugee camp, one of the big things that we do is as we do the massive distributions and we bring $120,000 of aid and this specific camp that we were going into, these were all uh, former uh, residents of the city of Mosul, which was captured and which was uh, uh, controlled by ISIS for three years. They were creating the end time caliphate headquarters. And so all of these people were basically their prisoners and they were brainwashed to, to in the ways of, of radical jihad Islam is crazy, you know, like just demonic. And so these, you know, we come into these nations sometimes as Americans, you know, it's like, it's easy to be like, God is here. Heaven is here. We're here. Yeah. You know, it's like, but what's amazing is that when you spend time in the camps with these people and you go into their tents and you listen to their stories, you realize God has already been working. He's been moving. He's been, he's been shifting things. He's been revealing himself. And we started to realize even in the first few years that as we would go into these camps, like altar calls were not difficult. Like we would just get a bunch of the refugees together and say, hey, anybody in here seen a vision of a man in white? And people would raise their hand. Yeah, he's been walking through our camp at night. He's been showing up in our dreams. He's been coming and in the midst of our darkness when we were hiding from ISIS, we saw him. He showed up. He's beautiful. And listen, it's so easy to tell them about Jesus. It's so like the whole entire world wants a king like Jesus. You don't have to twist their arm. You know, it's amazing. And so anyway, right before this trip, before I show this video, <laughs> I was <laughs> driving up to lead worship at Bethel. We have two early services and I think the sound check for the first one's at like 620 or something. And I'm always like, oh, driving up to church. And I'm like, why didn't I sign up to lead in the evening service? You know, it's like, and I'm driving up and it's raining and I call my wife and I'm like, babe, I'm like, 
I'm like, it's rain today and there's a conference and there's just tons of visitors and, you know, just know how it is. And like, you probably shouldn't come to church today. Just stay home. Just watch the web stream. You know, don't, don't walk up the hill with all the kids in the rain and try to find parking and blah, don't do all that. And then here I meet this persecuted Christian on my first day in Iraq a few months ago and he shares his story. So <laughs> I talked to him about his story and cause he's, he was kind of one of the first believers in that camp that we had met. And I said, um, he came up, he's so happy. He's like, yeah, he's like, I got a story. You know, we've been serving Jesus. And he had, of course, he got saved through a radical revelation of Jesus. Like he wasn't preached to, Jesus just showed up in his dream. Said, follow me. He started a church. They started worship. And then ISIS found out, they persecuted him. This time that they burned him, he's referring to, was the third time they tried to kill him through burning him. He's smiling while he's telling his story. Like smiling, you know. And, and, and the whole time I'm, I'm listening to this story, I'm going, oh, dear Jesus. Like, I told my wife not to go to church yesterday. Like, and here he's just smiling. Yeah, we wouldn't stop meeting. We wouldn't stop worshiping. And they kept trying to kill me. They tried to stone me. And he's like, finally, on the third time, they dumped 20 liters of gas. And he's like, then they lit fire on me. And I had fire all around me. And I was burning, but I didn't burn. And ISIS got so angry that they just let him go because they couldn't kill him. And so, and I was shocked. Not, 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 I mean, these stories are crazy and they're filling the Middle East, guys. These stories are everywhere. I mean, God is showing up and you may not see it on the, you know, on the, on the main line, mainstream media. You may not see it pop up on your CNN app or whatever, but I'm telling you the gospel is thriving in these nations. Right now, I mean, it's true. The gospel is thriving. So many churches are being planted. People are being saved. They're being delivered and they're being born into the supernatural. This is the God they know (laughs) that delivers them from actual fire, (laughs) you know? And I was talking to him and he said, he said, yeah. And he said, and you know, and, and then they finally were like, we can't kill you. What's wrong with you? And so they kicked him out. And so then he just kept planting churches. And I, I was listening to his story more than anything. It was like, he, there was such a joy. It was like, you know, that verse that says, uh, for, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Like, even as he was talking about these traumatic situations, he was rejoicing in the deliverance of Jesus. And he was thrilled that he got the privilege to endure this. Like, it was shocking to me. And I thought, man, I went and I actually had, we went into the tent right after that. And I'm like, okay, well, we prayed for you. That's great. But you need to pray for us. Like, we want to be real Christians with real joy. You know, we want to get really pumped. I'm like, I just got mad at the in-ear monitor the other day because I couldn't hear the guitar loud enough. Like, help me, Lord. Like, fill me with joy. I want to read one more verse. And then, and then can, can we end with the song today? One person's with me. All right. It's for you, bro. Second Corinthians 2 verse 14. I want to read this over you guys. Uh, I have a couple points. I'm not usually a points guy, but this is for you, David. I got points. Uh, number one, uh, before I read this verse, number one, uh, in 2019, let's step into his narrative. 
Let's step out of the narrative that the world tries to force upon us. Let's try to step out of the news media narrative. Let's not be like the 12 spies where 10 of them were over, over, they were consumed with the size of the giants in the land instead of being consumed with the size of the fruit. Let's be a people in a church. And that doesn't mean that you deny the fact that there's giants. No, Caleb and Joshua said, yeah, there's giants, but check this out, guys. The fruit is massive. So it's not like we have to go, I don't see anything, I don't see anything. No, we go, yeah, those are giants, but guess what? God is huge. Do you remember that encounter? He worshiped him and he was, oh, he was there, you know. Step into his narrative. Number two, write down your dreams, your goals. Write down, it says in Habakkuk 2.2, write it on a tablet that a herald may run. In other words, there's something that's released in the, in, the, in the angelic realm when we actually write down the dreams of God. Like, what are you dreaming for in this new season? And if it's a dream that you know that you can accomplish in your own strength, it's too small. It has to be so much bigger than your own ability. Number three, remove the excuses. I like, I like this statement. Jesus was a savage. Okay, this is why Jesus was a savage. I mean, he's sweet and he holds the lamb and he cuddles it and, you know, hangs with the children. And, you know, he does all that stuff in the, nurse, in the nursery. He does all that. But he was a savage. He told Peter, he said, hey, walk out on the water. Well, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, no, just walk. He told, he, told, uh, uh, he told disciples, let the dead bury their own dead. What? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the guy's dead. Come follow me. He told the disciples after they had their biggest catch of fish in history, right? Jesus performed a miracle so they could have the biggest catch of fish in history. And Jesus didn't even let them cash in on that miracle. He said, yeah, it's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, okay, let's go. You know, he said to the, to the man at the pool of Siloam in John 5, he said, why, why are you walking? Why don't you pick up your mat? Well, every time the water stirs, I just can't get in. People beat me to it. And Jesus goes, what? Why don't you get up? Get up. Get up. Come on, let's get up. I feel like there's a beautiful part of Jesus in this season that's allowing us to have our excuses fall by the wayside. He's inviting us in to be the people of God. I love the Billy Graham quote. I feel like there's such an anointing on the body of Christ to step into that vacancy of like the intense Billy Graham thing, you know? Where it's like, he said, courage is contagious. When a courageous man stands up, the spines of everyone else are stiffened. In America, we need courageous Christians again that actually believe this book, that are filled with joy and filled with love and filled with expectation. Oh, I think I have one more point. Oh, yeah, two more points. These are good. Find community, a community, and dig into it. Commit yourselves to a community of people that are going to hold you accountable. Not accountability's sake, just so that you don't look at bad stuff you shouldn't. But accountability that holds you to your dreams. Like, I don't want to just, I don't want to have friends in my life just to keep me out of sin. I mean, I mean, that's great, but that's just the bottom Start. Like, I want friends to say, bro, why are you going after that thing that you talked about three years ago? So many of us want a prophetic word for 2019, and we haven't activated the one from last year. You know, we need a community of people that are going to hold our feet to the fire. And number five, 
it's time that we take tons of risks. It's time that some of you guys in here, like I just feel in the room, even as we were worshiping, I just felt like God was unleashing a grace for radical risk taking in this season. Like that we would be the people of God that take radical insane risks. Okay, I'm gonna sing a song, but I'm gonna read this last verse. 2 Corinthians 2 verse 14. But thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession. You may have walked through the fire in 2018. You may have walked through really difficult circumstances, but this morning there is an invitation to walk across the line into a new year in a triumphal procession. Paul was writing this from prison to a persecuted church and he said, hey, listen, don't forget you're in a triumphal procession. Live your reality as the people of God from a place of victory. Not for a victory. We're already in victory. Amen? In a triumphal procession. And uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere we go. All right. I want to sing this song. Because I can't come all this way and not sing, right? That'd be a travesty. Actually, you know what? I think we should stand up. Is that okay? And some of you guys may not have heard this before, but it's really easy. Just sing this chorus with me. It just goes. In Jesus, enthroned upon the praises of our Come on, let's just give him this last year. Come on, sing that again with me, that chorus. Jesus, enthroned upon the praises of our heart. Jesus, you're the king and you're the center of it all. Whose power can't be questioned or contained With humble faith He rules the earth and heavens His glory knows no measure or refrain And it's bursting past the borderlines of space Come on, sing with me, Jesus Jesus, enthroned upon the praises of our heart. Jesus, you're the king and you're the center of it all. 
is my prayer over this city. There is a name reaching past the margins, calling sons and daughters back to him. And as he says, we can hear the roar of heaven as prodigals are coming home again. Oh, the triumph of his name will never end. Come on, sing with me. Oh, Jesus, enthroned upon the praises of our heart. Jesus, you're the king and you're the center of it all. Forever, 
your kingdom reigns. Now just take a minute and just see him on the throne. Come on, just anchor your faith just in this 30 seconds. Just anchor your faith. And the fact that he's in control <laughs> of the greatness of his kingdom, there will be no end. That this new year, it just keeps getting better and better and better and better in God. It just keeps getting better. Thank you, Jesus, for another year. Thank you, Lord, for more opportunities. Thank you, God, for a kingdom that knows no end. Spirit, we ask that joy would mark our lives in, 20, in 2019. So we go into this new year, God, we ask. I ask that that courage would mark your people. Lord, I just love the zeal that I see in Sean. Lord, let zeal be awakened in us. Lord, that every tongue, tribe, and nation would hear the good news of the gospel. Thank you for the risk, the stories. Father, we pray, Lord Jesus, let us carry that in 2019. Let it mark us as a church. Come and Holy Spirit, have your way in us. I wanna invite you to, if you're here today and you want to make Jesus your Lord, I, I just love the stories that Sean was talking about, about Jesus. He's Lord of all, no matter the circumstance. I just want to invite you today, if you want to make this decision, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I invite you just wherever you're at, just repeat this prayer between you and God. Just, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I give you my life. I don't want to live for me. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I want to be in relationship with God. Thank you for sending your son to die for me. Come and do a fresh work inside of me. Come and mark my life as I begin a journey with you. I give you my life in Jesus' name.